0: Welcome to the Dined Ask Podcast. My name is Deirdre Fitzpatrick. Some of the most popular content that I post on social media comes with the hashtag boy mom. I've been using that hashtag for years. I have two sons, and I got some advice when they were born from my mother in law that I have remembered every single day since they were born. And that is if they are screaming, they are unhappy, they are cranky, ask yourself the following three questions Are they cold or hot? Are they tired? Or are they hungry? And that advice, while it was given for the baby days, I will tell you it's good advice pretty much for life in general. And the third question is usually the ticket to figuring out why someone in my house is crappy. And that person could be me. Hangry. Hunger plus anger equals hanger, which makes you hangry. And while it might not be an official medical term, it's actually a real thing. And there's a new medical study out there That's backing it up. We got some science now behind the fact that if you skip lunch, you tend to not be very pleasant to be around. I remember the word hangry kind of going viral in the 2018 South Korea Olympics. See, I can always tie something back to the Olympics. I was out there covering Chloe Kim, who was a snowboarder from Southern California, and she had not done well. I can't remember the exact circumstance, but like she hadn't done well in a competition or a heat. And she tweeted something to the effect of, should have finished that breakfast sandwich hangry. And people, I remember people in the media areas being like, what is that? I'm like, oh, I know what that is. (laughs) I have boys. And that was really where people started using that word a lot. And so flash forward a couple of years. And there is a new medical study that is actually backing up the fact that when we have not eaten and our blood sugar goes all over the place, that our mood and our ability to interact with people in a positive way tends to go south. My guest today is Dr. Nahal Pathak. She is the physician editor, health and lifestyle medicine for WebMD. Now, her job is basically to look over everything on WebMD and make sure that it's actually correct because it's a reliable source to go to for medical news. So you want to make sure that it's all doctor approved. So that's one of the things that she does. Now, before WebMD, she was working as a primary care doc at the Department of Veterans Affairs an assistant professor of medicine at Emory in Atlanta. She is dual certified in internal medicine and lifestyle medicine with a focus on diet, exercise, and stress management techniques. So basically... She's kind of the doctor that I've been looking for my whole life. (laughs) Such an interesting background. She's a Harvard grad with a BA in psychology and biology. She went to medical school at Cornell. She's a mom, she's a wife, she lives in Atlanta. And we're going to be talking about the science behind being hangry. How not eating correctly or enough can tend to lead to you making poor decisions and making your interactions with people really questionable at times. I mean, this is gonna make you rethink when you do things during the day. And if I have not talked you into carrying snacks in your backpack, by the end of this show, I will have not succeeded in what I'm sending out to do today. So we'll talk about the science behind being hangry on this DiDesk podcast. And then also, Dr. Pathak is going to walk us through at least three steps to deal with hangar. And we're going to sell you on why if you do not take better note of what you were eating when that you could really make some decisions or have some interactions that could cost you big time down the line. All because you didn't eat a granola bar, friends. This is a big deal and it's easily fixed, which is like the best problem ever. Dr. Nehal Pathik is my guest this week on the Dying to Ask podcast. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I thought I had seen and covered it all then came coronavirus a pandemic anchoring in my living room homeschooling my kids and all the things that come with covid including a vaccine it was supposed to get us all back on track living our best instagramable lives best lives ish the reality is we're still untangling what life looks like in a world post pandemic a lot of people describe a sense of never-ending overwhelm and anxiety is that just what life is like now or are there ways we can get back to living in the now and this season of the Dying Desk podcast is asking how we can hit the restart and start living again. Dr. Nahal Pathik, thanks for joining us on the Dying Desk podcast. It's great to have you on. Thanks so much for having me. So tell me a little bit about your, your job with WebMD. It sounds super interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I am so excited to do on a day-to-day basis. Basically, my job is to make sure that our content on WebMD is medically accurate, that it's actionable, that people can read it and feel empowered to take care of their health.
0: So my job as a news anchor, where I am, is to make sure things are accurate, maybe not in medical sense. (laughs) <laughs> but to make sure that what we're putting out to the public is actually correct and to fix things. Um, I mean, you're, you're kind of like a, uh, a proofreader of
1: sorts, but also looking to make sure you're getting out solid information. Absolutely. And it's not just me. We have a whole team of doctors, of specialists, of people who really focus and take care of patients in different areas of medicine. So exactly like you said, we're looking through every piece of content and we're making sure that everything is medically on target and medically something that someone can use to make
0: themselves feel better. How on earth do you end up in that job? Because I'm guessing that was not like when you started your first day of medical school, you didn't say, I'm going to do the following. (laughs) What was your
1: path to get there? Uh, This is such a great question. So I think, uh, so I am, there are two things that don't give me imposter syndrome. One is that I'm a primary care doc. That I can say without feeling nervous In any way, shape or form, and that I'm a mom. Um, And so those are the two things that have always been my driving passion. And when I was in the office with my patients, they would say to me, hey, you know, I uh, looked something up on WebMD, and I really need you to help me understand, is this right or wrong, or this is the thing that I'm worried about. And that just happened so often to the point where I just got intrigued. And I said, I have to work with them to try to figure out how I can help make sure this information is as accurate as possible. And that's kind of how I, how I moved into this direction.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. And I find it so interesting, especially because I have a 16 year old and everything, like all knowledge comes from the Google bar <laughs> and it is I, you know, it's sometimes it's impressive what they're able to learn, but it's sometimes it's kind of horrifying too. Because I'm like, where did that fact come from? Because I don't right. know that it's a fact. fact. <laughs> That's right. Like, yeah, fact. yeah. And and so, like, finding that reputable information is like super critical, especially when people are making major medical decisions and not so major medical decisions.
1: Right. And I think you're right And the era of COVID has completely changed a lot of things. I think people are just because you couldn't get in to see your doctor or your health professional for so long. Yeah. Um, so I think people really did turn to the internet places like WebMD um, to just get this accurate information to make sure that they're doing the right thing for their health. When do I need yeah. to go urgently to the health care center? Or where can I just make a phone call? When can I do telehealth? get the answers i need it is interesting
0: how quickly um the pandemic like sped up the whole telehealth movement i had never done any kind of telehealth until that and now i'm like do i have to leave my house like there is a lot of stuff you actually can get done um, through a screen which is great for certain things
1: you're so right so i Was a VA doctor before I came up to WebMD. And we had been doing telehealth for a long time there in the VA because we were trying to reach our rural veterans. Um, And a lot of our patients that couldn't come in. Um, So it was something that I was pretty familiar with, but I had not done myself as a patient. And during COVID. Two months in, I so I was 85 months pregnant. I say, really, that's not possible. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was um, to deliver my third child, really, at the peak of that first, you know, when COVID first was a thing, when we first learned about it. And so all of our appointments went virtual. And really, it was interesting at that time to kind of be checking in with my OB over these virtual visits.
0: Right. Gosh, that's so wild. All right. I'm not here to talk to you about COVID for real. Um, (laughs) I'm actually here to talk to you about something that uh, I think a lot of people, you know, kind of joke about it. And it's that concept of hangry, you know, hunger and anger. And what I think is so interesting is there's actually been a true medical study to find out like, does this really exist? And as the mother of two sons, as a boy, mom, I will tell you it 100% exists. <laughs> but now they've actually done a study, which I suppose big picture is a
1: good thing because we've got some data to prove. That's right. You're absolutely right. So I think that you're right. Any mom can tell you that being hangry is a real thing in our kids and in ourselves because sometimes we're so busy taking care of them that we're not taking care of ourselves. Um, so certainly, uh, it's something that we've all kind of known is is. A, a connection between being hungry and being angry. But this is one of the first studies that really looked at on a day-to-day basis, what is happening with our emotions when we're feeling hungry. Okay, so
0: basically they, they took a bunch of people and kind of checked in with them, clocked in with them and said, are you hungry? Which of course would make me hungry yeah. <laughs> all day long. But they recorded like, how did people feel and when were they eating and what were they eating? And after a you know, designated amount of time, survey said, shockingly, yes, people really do get hangry. What were the main results that came out of it? Like for, for somebody like you, what were the bullets that came out? You were like, ooh, that's important.
1: Yeah, so I think one that they, they looked at about 64 people and they, they monitored them over 21 days. And these were people that had different weights, different BMIs, different dietary patterns. They were men, they were women. So, you know, it's not like you can say that everyone in this study was the same. So, a lot of us can identify with these types of people. And they checked in with them five times a day on a smartphone. And they asked questions about hunger, negative emotions and also positive emotions. Hmm. sometimes when you're looking at a study and you have kind of predetermined that these two things go together, you might not check to see, well, can you just have any emotion? So what they did was they said, are you hungry? And then they also looked at anger, irritability and positive things. Like, are you feeling pleasure at this moment? And what they found really is that it was super consistent. Hunger was much more closely linked to feeling angry and irritable than it was with any sort of pleasurable emotion.
0: Okay. Um, And again, not surprising. And I actually did read the entire study and that was actually in the conclusion. Not surprising. We found this out. That's (laughs) right. (laughs) Everybody, everybody agreed at the end. Yes. If you do not eat, chances are you might be a little cranky. Why is it important big picture to have proven this? Like what are the big takeaways for the average person?
1: So I think it's really important because a lot of us kind of get so wrapped up into our day-to-day activities that we put taking care of ourselves and making sure one of those major things is making sure we're fed, uh, making sure our children are fed when we're running from activity to activity. um, and, And we sort of put that to the side. And this study really helped show us that when we do that, it's much bigger than just feeling hungry. We are allowing ourselves and our children to be more impulsive, just more likely to be angry, more likely to be irritable. And there is a simple solution for this. We can do. We can choose having them be healthy and happy by doing a simple thing like feeding ourselves regularly and our children regularly.
0: Can you explain why that fluctuating glucose level in our bodies? makes us di- change emotionally? Like, why do we get that irritability when that's happening? Like wh- what's happening at a cellular level on yeah. a level that we'll all understand. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you're right. So hunger is not just about our guts. It's not just about our stomach rumbling and us feeling that, that, oh my, you know when your stomach rumbles and you feel like, oh, I'm hungry. There's a lot more behind going on behind the scenes. So behind the scenes we have most likely lower blood sugar, which makes us have a whole cascade of hormones that are kind of shifting around to address that. And our nerve signaling also changes. Some of these hormones are hormones like epinephrine that go up. That's the same hormone that's our fight or flight hormone. So it's the same hormone behind us feeling anxious, nervous, angry. And so that's why there's probably this link between the two fields. Interesting. And as you talk about
0: this, I can't help but think about the discussion that we've had over the last couple of years about mental health. And we people are so much more, I think, willing to talk about challenges of mental health and fluctuating reactions to different life situations. And it is interesting how after lunch, your opinions of certain things and impressions of maybe people or situations can change quickly and change that mental outlook. You,
1: yes. (laughs) Yes. So, (laughs) and that's why we always, you know, we kind of, we all know this is, Take a step back before you make a major decision, but also take a step back before you say something minor, what, you know, may seem like a minor thing in the moment, but that may be detrimental to someone's feelings or to your own feelings. You know, nothing feels worse than when you say something you know you shouldn't have said. Um, And so I think that's all wrapped up in how are we sort of taking care of ourselves? And the key to that is, are we hungry or not? So if we've eaten a good, healthy breakfast, if we've eaten a good, healthy lunch, things just feel different in the way that we're responding to the environment around us. Interesting. It makes me think
0: you should never have an important meeting at 11am.
1: I love that.
0: I'm going to incorporate that in Mm. my schedule. You can have that, but I honestly like Think of how many meetings you've had at 11 and it gets to be like 1150 and you're just like losing it because you're just, you're thinking about your lunchbox, like which probably not have
1: do important things right before when we're supposed to be eating right before that next meal. And then we should also be thinking about snacks. So it's really, it's not that we should be eating just three times a day. I think a lot of us have that in our heads. And a lot of us send our kids to school, you know, with here's breakfast, then they'll have lunch. My daughter didn't have lunch until like 2 p.m. just because that's the way the schedule worked out. And so it was your morning breakfast at home, and then you didn't eat again until 2 um so I can't imagine what she was doing for those few hours and then you know that when you pick up your kid they are just ravenous. So I just have bananas and things that I just kind of throw at them as they're coming into the car. But you're right. We should not be thinking of making important decisions when we're feeling those hunger pangs or we're thinking <laughs> about <them. laughs> It sounds so basic, but it's not. <laughs> Why is that? Oh, I think that sometimes the simple things are the easiest to kind of put on the back burner, but the simple things are really those things that keep us on track. So it feels like, oh, it's it's just a snack. It's not that big of a deal. But really that snack is what's keeping you from snapping at the next person you talk to um, and having sort of more of being in a more stable state. Does our ability to ward off being hangry
0: change as
1: we age, or is it different by gender? I think that we don't have any great data to say one way or the other for either of those things. But I think that just if you think about the way our brain works, our executive functioning skills, As we get older, we're more able to sort of control ourselves, regardless of what emotions we're feeling. Are we we in theory? One would hope. (laughs) (laughs) So you you can definitely see, you know, I have a two-year-old and I have an 11-year-old. Both can be very hangry because I can tell you from the real talk is that I'm not the best at uh, feeding them at a regular schedule. Um, I'm often like, oh, oh my goodness, look at the clock. And instead of really being guided by when they're feeling hungry and the the two-year-old will be tantruming and lying on the floor while the 11-year-old will Probably say something mean, but won't be yeah. <laughs> won't be rolling around on the ground. So as we age, it, it it sort of makes sense that our executive functioning hopefully will prevent us from being really horrible. Um, and then gender-wise, no great studies. Interesting. I mean, we've all
0: had those days and I'm sure as a primary care doc, you have too, where you just are bam, bam, bam. Everything is like one thing after another. And maybe you skip lunch. You're like, oh, I'll just have a big dinner or something. But the, I guess like the big challenge of something like that is you could make a make your decision during that time that you might've made completely differently. If your blood sugar was level, like you might do something impulsive that would be a big mistake all
1: because you skipped a sandwich. Yeah, uh, I think that one of the key things to help us with that is one always, I mean, I, in my white coats would always have a bag of nuts. I mean, people just knew that if I was walking around during the day, I was probably munching on something like pistachios or almonds so that I wouldn't have uh, that guilt as I'm munching and snacking. But when I didn't have those things, I was the first person running to grab that slice of pizza or those French fries. So you're also making poor decisions about food when you're feeling hungry or hangry, right? You're very impulsive. You're just like, I just need something that's gonna make me feel better right at this moment. So I think one of the key things is to have something easily accessible. Uh, And I think it's also important for us to take that mindful moment because when we're adults and we're working or we're kids in school, we might not have access to that snack. And so it's really important to kind of I would in between every single patient, just kind of take a step back, take a few deep breaths and be like, if if I don't have time to get food, I at least need to realize I'm hangry. So I need to be extra careful with this next person.
0: Okay. I love this. We've got We've got an action plan going. So number one, <laughs> have some good snacks nearby. You know, maybe you yeah. just stash them in your desk or in your white coat or wherever it is. You have some snacks, ready. Definitely in the car for picking up those kids to be mindful. Am I hangry? What would step three be?
1: So I think once you've looked at your snack pack for the day or the week, if that's the kind of planner you are, the the second being, like you said, a mindful moment. The third one being when you're in that moment, thinking about de-escalation. So say you've already snapped or you've already done something that you wish you hadn't. That's the moment where you can also sort of de-escalate and just immediately acknowledge, listen, I think I am hungry which is causing me to be angry and I just need to take a step back and I have a few minutes and then we can come back to this.
0: It's really good. It actually also kind of makes you look at the people around you a little differently too though, doesn't it?
1: Uh (laughs) Because you don't know what they're feeling when they're coming up to that desk or coming up to talk to you. Maybe they're hangry.
0: Yes. So maybe you offer them your snacks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is so great. I love it. What a great okay. way to de-escalate. You're, you're sharing it snacks about your friends.
0: Who doesn't love a good snack? Um, okay. So let's say, you know, you feel you're in that moment. What are the best, what are the most powerful snacks or quick food, uh, foods that you could go to that will impact your blood sugar, it, typically in a positive way quickly. Like what are your go-tos? You mentioned nuts, pistachios, those always show up in lists of like, you know, power foods and good things. What else is really good to grab in a pinch?
1: Yeah, you know, so as a primary care doc, I'm going to stick to my script of the healthy food. So I just, you know, the reality is we're not always going to have access to those. But if you're thinking ahead, then I would say you really want to go for some of those just fun fruits, whatever fruit is like your passion. So if you are a berry person, berries, if you're an apple person, because it's just easy to keep that in your pocket, an apple, banana, those are easy. If, you know, next level down from fruits, raisins, a pack of raisins, it just so happens. That's what I, I promise I did not plan this, but I have that (laughs) right here. (laughs) It's just so easy. Um, And then, you know, you want to start, you want to have a breakfast that's really hearty with protein, whole grains, beans, things like that. Now, if you can't get to those things um, and you're feeling hungry, then, Know sure, go for the snack that's readily available, the vending machine, try to pick the the healthiest thing. Because what you don't want is to just be cycling up and down. So you're hangry, you take something that's just like a quick boost of sugar, like chocolate or candy, and then you're just right back there again. What is your,
0: okay, this is hypothetical now. You are stuck, you're stuck in an airport. The vending machine is the only option. Typical American vending machine. What would be the go-to?
1: What would you Chex go for? Chex Mix is my usual go-to for myself and the kids. Okay. Um, that I just, you know, that's the one that gives me the least palpitations when I'm, <laughs> 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 but you know, we, we have recently gone to a lot of airports and surprisingly there are a lot of better options. So you can get the, you know, the salted nuts. They're often in there. They have a lot of the trail mix with the M&Ms in there. Mm-hmm. So you've got something for everybody. My, one of my kids always picks out the M&Ms. I, I, I gotta, you gotta pick your battles in those situations. Choose but, your battles, absolutely. Yes, that's
0: right. how, how about, okay, let's say you're in the food court at the airport
1: and it's like typical food court. What's your go-to? So my family's vegetarian. So often, this is sad to say, but we'll, so we'll go for the fr- fruit cup. They always serve fruit cups at mm-hmm. these fast food restaurants. So we'll always do that. And then I'll get a mac and cheese or sometimes a fry because sometimes you are under pressure. You're, you're, if you're already going to fast food, I don't think that once in a while it's horrible to just make everyone feel a little bit happy with, with something that brings joy. <laughs>
0: I love you. I love you for saying that and being very real about that because yeah. we all kind of get to those points. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I, lo- I love all of this. So for, for people who are listening at home, if they wanted something kind of actionable, they could do to avoid hanger or to control it in their life or their family. What are your go-tos? Your like, maybe final words of advice for them. So I would say
1: one, it is a thing. You're not alone. <laughs> So just know that. I think knowing that sometimes just takes away some of that guilt of feeling like, oh, I did something so out of the norm. it's, It's normal. We all have this experience. And then to plan for it. So once you know this is a possibility, try to plan for it. And try to plan for it in the healthiest way possible with some of the snacks we talked about. And if that's just not possible, it's okay. Feed yourself. Try again the next day. Yeah. Snack before you speak in that Yeah, separation. I love that. That's great. <laughs>
0: you know, it's funny. A couple of years ago, I, I covered the Olympics for Hearst Television and I was in South Korea and the snowboarder, Chloe Kim, who was a teenager at the time, put out on Twitter... Um, that she had, you know, made a mistake because she was hangry. And mm-hmm. I remember the reaction around the world of, you know, typical teenager joking about being hangry. And I thought, no, she's brilliant. Who doesn't have a teenager who has done something because he or she didn't eat breakfast, you know,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's legit it is legit. And it puts a whole nother sort of level of really trying to make sure that you're not just doing this for yourself, but your kids and your kids are learning from you too. So to really share that with them too, to let them know, look, this is the thing. Don't feel bad. Yeah. Here's how and we're gonna take and our-
0: your performance in school and, and tests and all that kind of stuff could really depend on the fact that you actually ate breakfast before you left left the door. That's- so it's, it is important. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. It was really nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. I asked Dr. Pathak when we got done recording, if you were on a desert island, you get one snack to kill the hanger. You got to go to it quick. What would it be? And without hesitating for a moment, she said blueberries, but specifically frozen. What she does is she buys the blueberries, washes them, throws them in the freezer. And then when she feels that hanger coming on, whether it's her or the kids or anyone else in her life, she will pop a couple of those blueberries and that little sugar boost is so good and so instant. It will really help level you out and they taste good. So that's kind of nice. Tastes good and good for you and doctor approved. So think about blueberries being your solution. Thanks for listening this week. I'd love it if you could share this episode with your friends on your social networks. If you have a question for me, you can always reach out to me on Instagram. You'll find me at run, read, sip. I do read the messages. So if you have a guest suggestion or maybe a comment about today's show, don't hesitate to reach out there. You can also leave a rating review. And if you have a question, you can also leave them in the review section for the podcast. That's always a good way to get in touch with a podcaster, just so you know. And uh, those ratings and reviews are the quickest way to grow shows like the Dying to Ask podcast. Thanks for listening this week. And we will see you next time on Dying to Ask.